What song do you want to hear, Dan? Beer! You are now listening to America's favorite craft beer podcast, a show that covers tricks, tips, and trends inside the craft beer industry. I am your host, craft beer enthusiast, Tom Simpson. Next to me, my co-host, a man with more untapped check-ins than you have steps on your Fitbit, the adjunct professor himself, Mr. Dan Howell. Tune in, sit down, and drink up. And most importantly, thank you for joining us on another episode of America the Brew. Guess I'll have to wait until then. And if I get drunk, well, I'll pass out on the floor now, baby. You won't bother me no more. And if you're drinking, well, you know that you're my friend. And I say, I think I'll have my Welcome to Season 3, Episode 30 of America the Brutiful. It is our last episode of 2023. So before we continue, we want to thank you all for listening this year. And obviously, for those who have been listening since the beginning, extra thanks to you all. All right. One of the bigger headlines of the year, at least for us, right? We live in New Jersey, has been the drama between the state government and its breweries. We're going to talk more about that later in the episode with one of the lawmakers who helped write the bill that was supposed to help breweries. We'll also talk a bit more about two brewery openings this week that many of you have your eyes on. The founder of one of those breweries joins us later this episode. And we'll talk about a brewery closing that caught many people, including myself, off guard. Of course, we'll be talking about local releases that caught our eye. And there's a bunch of really special ones this week that we want to get our hands on. And of course, Chase from Top Beer Drop stops in. We're going to talk about the top beers of the past week. But we're also going to look at the year that was 2023. What are the, some of the top breweries of the year? What are the big risers, the big up-and-comers? We're going to get into that with him. He's always got all the stats, so I'm always interested in that stuff. But before we do any of that, you know what time it is. Oh, I know what time it is. Let's crack our first beer. Yeah, that's right. All right, so this is from Conclave which would be like a local release. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and the beer is Shamanic Revelation. It's an IPA, 7% alcohol by volume. And we got ourselves a little pint here. Yeah, and I, I stopped by there last week, I guess, uh, right before the holiday. Uh, I have a bunch of buddies that live nearby. I was dropping off gifts. Uh, made myself a little excuse to uh, stop by there. So a uh, great spot for those of you who have not been to Conclave. Honestly, one of the better breweries in New Jersey. They've been popping up on top beer drops, which has been really right. cool. Um, but let's talk. You know, we mentioned it at the top. Some sad news. Uh, Ingenious Brewing out of Humble, Texas is closing. And uh, honestly, really surprising news. For those of you that are fans of Tavor... You've probably seen their beers on there with a lot of cool can art, but a bit more about them. They have been around for over six years and have an untapped average of over 4.0. They have done several collabs with breweries like NJ's own Heavy Reel, The Answer, and Weathered Souls. It's a really sad story. It's one of Texas's better breweries. Uh, and in 2023, we've seen a lot of other significant craft brewery closures around the country, including Pontoon Brewing and Orpheus Brewing, uh, both in Atlanta, both really good breweries. Uh, I was actually really surprised uh, that they closed in 2023 as well. And in fact, there were 35 brewery closings in the U.S. in the first six months of 2023, which is almost as many as all of 2022. 
but we like talking about good news more than bad news. So, Dan, what's some good news? All right, let's talk about New Jersey brewery openings, right? We talk about that sad closing. Let's talk about some brewery openings. Uh, last episode, we talked about it. Two new breweries opening this week in the state of New Jersey, right before the end of 2023. Bakes Brewing Company opens on Saturday, December 30th, and Tall Oaks Brewing opens on Friday, the 29th. Both look to be some of the nicer tap rooms in the state of New Jersey. And Tall Oaks is having a pretty aggressive grand opening with live music, food, and several can releases. Uh, I'll say this. I did not attend their soft opening, but heard some really positive things about Tall Oaks. Well, let's talk about their can releases. Right, which is pretty cool because most of the time when breweries open, they don't just have a can release right away. Yeah, they might not even have a canning line. Correct. You know, but uh, so Open Field... It's a 6.5% American IPA with Simcoe, Amarillo, Cascade, and Citra Hops. Petal is a 4.2% Rustic Ale, which is basically a grisette. Cultivator, a 7.5% Doppelbach lager. And Fruit Stand, which is a 5.5% Wheat Ale with Pomegranate. That sounds interesting. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's really cool. I'm going to give some, uh, I mean, I don't know if they care or follow them, but like, I think Autodidact was one of the first breweries I remember opening and being like, and we have a release right away. Like it's, it's a cool thing. Um, and I think it's good for people, you know, they want to get the first thing ever from a brewery. Uh, so, so I think that's interesting. And, uh, we mentioned, uh, Bakes, we'll be talking, uh, to Bakes, uh, to Jeff Baker, uh, the founder of Bakes later on in this episode, but what else are we looking forward to in 2024? Tom, what are you looking forward to most? Well, Beer-wise, not uh, life-wise. Yeah, yeah. Not to discredit anybody that I'm about to talk about, but the first one, Esker Hart, uh, probably just based on his track record, on Bobby's track record, probably one of the biggest breweries op- to opening in the state. Uh, it's probably been quite some time. Yeah, hype-wise, right? And that's uh, nothing to take away from anybody else, but there are I don't remember the last time that a brewery opened where kind of everybody in the scene knew who that home brewer was. Right. And 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 a lot of people from New Jersey to California know who Bobby is from Escrow. Yeah, and we'll talk about one of his big releases that happened this week as well. Uh, but Let's also talk about the space because I know you went there recently. We talked to Bobby pretty recently. Uh, it's it's coming together. It looks like a lot of the paperwork's happening, and you know there's a little PCU in that in in the tap room too. That's right. That's right. So I uh, uh, supplied Bobby with some very nice wood, some very nice reclaim, <laughs> reclaim wood that he is going to be using in the tap room. Um, I'm super excited to see it because not only does the uh, tap room look like it's going to be a nice spot to have some beers. It's just in a great town. And we talked about that Highbridge, which I don't know. I I never really, I knew of Highbridge. I'd never been to Highbridge, but it's a really nice town. And it's a really great, great place to like go and get dinner and then go get drinks or vice versa, whatever you do. Uh, So really excited. Now, another big uh, brewery opening that's going to happen in 2024, Alias Brew Works. We've talked about, uh, you know, them, it's uh, Muckraker. Uh, it, it, they're going to be sharing, um, you know, a spot there, and it's going to be 
an, another like really nice tap room. They're going to be sharing it with two villains. It's yes. going to be up near, uh, you know, the ski area. Um, it's it's something that I really want to check out. They even have like a cool event space that uh, Tom has sent some pictures out of. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. We got beer now. We just need snow. <laughs> That would yeah. be helpful. Yeah, I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen. It seems to never snow anymore. Uh, another one I want to talk about is Coastal Brew Works. Uh, my buddy Matt, he's been brewing for a long time. That's going to be opening at some point in 2024, hopefully. Like, you know, these always get kind of pushed back. Where, where, what town is that? Uh, I believe it's Eatontown. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the other one. Those are new breweries, new spots, but there's a new, new kind of thing to talk about too right and that is icarus's new tap room which i've seen pictures of looks like it's going to be a very very nice space uh super excited for them and hopefully they can uh run it as they'd like and do all the events that they'd like and everything else i mean that'd be great for them and i feel like nowadays if you're going to have a successful brewery in the state, probably anywhere, right? But especially here, I think in in New Jersey and in New York, you need a nice tap room. Like it's it's not just reliant only on the beer. The tap room has to be nice because the clientele is different now. People come in that are not just beer nerds. People want to hang out, uh, and 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 the aesthetics matter, right? And you know, you can't get away with just having like. Very good IPA. Some people do. Yeah, they've been can. around. You they've can. been around for a while, but um, you can. But it better be damn good. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We are gonna take a quick break, and after that, we'll be talking to Jeff Baker, founder and brewer of Bakes Brewing Company. Welcome back, season three, episode 30 of America the Brutiful. A few weeks ago, I was driving down the shore and I drove past Bakes Brewing. Even without going inside, I could tell that this will be one of the nicer tasting rooms in the state of New Jersey. Uh, Bakes Brewing will have their grand opening on December 30th of this year. And to find out more about the brewery, why don't we ask the guy who knows the most about the brewery, and that's its founder, Jeff Baker. Welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate yep. it. Thanks for coming on. I know that you are uh, super busy this time, uh, looking forward to the grand opening. So we appreciate the few minutes that you're giving us. For, for those out there listening, we are literally talking to Jeff uh, you know, 12 hours, no more than that, but, um, you know, a day away from, we're talking about on Friday, the grand opening's on Saturday. Uh, Jeff told us he slept at the brewery last night. It's all coming together. Now, yes, Je- it is. Final preparations in full gear here. Jeff, obviously we want to talk about the beer and your journey, uh, but before I get to that, just tell us a little bit about the space. I will tell you when I drove by, I immediately messaged Dan and told him that we needed to check it out because it really has got really nice curb appeal. Yeah, so um, I'm born and raised in Wall Township, um, and I'll, I'll get to the genesis of wanting to open a brewery at some point later. But And I knew I, I, knew I wanted my brewery to be in my hometown. Um, and, you know... 
at the same time, I wanted to create a different space and different experience than what's currently out there. Um, like an elevated feel, uh, you see the tasting room when you get a chance to stop in, you see the tasting room has a different vibe than most breweries. You know, most breweries are in industrial parks, um, which is cool. You know, I'm, I'm cool with that, but I wanted to create a different experience for the consumer. Um, a place that feels different. And, you know, I keep getting comments about the vibe. So, you know, we might be playing nineties hip hop music, um, (laughs) versus, you know, some breweries don't like to have music. Um, I just wanted to create something unique. Well, we want to do our due diligence here for interviews. So I stalked your socials a little bit, and I immediately thought to myself, like going back and looking at your posts, I was like, one of us, one of us. You, uh, you know, I saw posts of you visiting breweries years ago, like Trillium and Treehouse, and even more distant breweries like Toplin Goliath and Surly. Um, so everybody who's gotten sucked into the craft beer world has that one moment, right? Where yes. it's like, something happens you have a beer and it just sends you off on this path so what was that beer for you so that that moment for me happened in august of 2013 over 10 years ago i took a trip down to dogfish head in delaware Mm -hmm. uh made a bunch of my buddies and it blew my mind you know we we walked into the place and before we could even get in the door you know all these people are sitting out there drinking beers in costumes (laughs) <laughs> okay. and we're, talk, we're talking August here, right? So I was like, "Huh, this is this is cool." And uh, we didn't know it at the time, but the first person who came up to introduce himself to us was Sam, the founder. Um, and you know, he handed me something from his private stash up in his treehouse thing, and um, he just he just gave us like a VIP type of treatment. And I went into their little tasting room at that time, and the beer that kind of changed my world was dogfish 60 minute ipa classic i was like like, wow this has so much flavor because at that point in time like many younger folk i was (laughs) drinking you know miller light Bud light milwaukee's best and this and i heard the word ipa i was like "Eh, i don't like ipas even though i didn't know what an ipa really was you know so that that beer kind of (laughs) changed changed my world 60-minute IPA. Nice. We've talked to a lot of brewers about their route to becoming a professional brewer, and a lot of them take completely different routes, from home brewing, starting from kits, and evolving to going directly to brew school. Can you tell us about your route from, I guess, when you were at Dogfish Head up until the point where you uh, decided that you were going to open your own brewery? Yeah, so, uh, like I mentioned, that was August 2013. And right after that trip... I was like, you know, searching out all the different local craft beers and getting my hands on all different IPAs. And um, my grandfather was kind of like my best friend and drinking buddy. He he was a, a long, a lifelong bud bud heavy drinker. <laughs> and nice. I I started bringing him like dogfish beers and other local IPAs, and I kind of morphed his his palate into liking these hoppier, more modern um, styles. And then, you know, unfortunately, in September, that month after, um, he suddenly passed away. And leading up to that, that one month, I was like, man, I I might want to just open my own brewery. This is is so cool. 
at that time I was a CPA doing the, you know, public accounting thing. Um, and I was like, yeah, maybe I should do this. And then when, when my grandfather, Bob passed, that was kind of like the last impetus to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and open a brewery. And, uh, that was back September, September 19th, 2013. I proclaimed at his, we did a memorial walk for him and I proclaimed to, to my friends and family, I'm opening a brewery. Uh, nice. The next day I went out to, um, I think it was New Brunswick. There was a homebrew shop out there and I got the, uh, five gallon pot and, uh, never looked back. That's great. Now, most uh, brewers that we talk to are their own worst critic, right? Uh, now, one thing that I noticed on your resume that stands out is that you're a certified Cicerone and a certified beer judge. So, how, like, how does that factor in when you're making your own beers, right? I mean, you're going to be taking every little imperfection, and is it does that get in your head at all? It's oh man, it's it's me to a T. It's a blessing and a curse. Um, mm-hmm. You know, by nature, I'm a I'm a CPA, right? So it's everything has to be complete and accurate and perfect. Um, and ultimately, I think that translates into really really quality beer. But it also it also is a curse in that you know it keeps me up at night. And um, I, I tell my assistant brewer Dave, he's my cousin, and my brother is also involved in the brewery. I tell them all the time. I'm like, guys, I know I'm crazy, but is this beer, is this beer sellable? Would you present this? And like, yeah, dude, this thing's so good. What are you doing? I'm like, it's just not what I want. It's not what I, what I want to, to, to put out there and to the public. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a good trait to have, but at the same time, it, it's uh it's a curse. <laughs> okay. So weeks before your grand opening, you released cans to go. The beer was called Robin Way. It was a double IPA. It sold out probably as fast as you could have hoped, and it's sitting well above a 4.0 on Untapped with about 50 ratings. Why did you want to do a can release before the grand opening, and what kinds of feedback did you get? Yeah, so that beer um, is named after the street uh, where I live and where you know I, I kind of honed my craft. So. We put the first double IPA in the tanks, and I kind of wanted to pay homage to that that brand name uh, of the genesis of all the all the recipes. And as we were sampling that beer throughout the process, I was like, "Man, this this beer is good. We we got to get this beer out because up until that point, we were doing a few um, like private friends and family um, soft openings, um, which went really well, but this beer in particular i was like i told my i told dave my assistant brewer i was like man we we got to call a canning company immediately and get this out to the public um and you know the, the feedback i've gotten has been really positive and I, could, I couldn't have been happier with that beer yeah i mean i think that's i actually love the idea because you know breweries will do soft openings and soft openings are generally you know like you said friends and family and uh you know friends and family aren't always going to give you um constructive uh feedback right. you know, everything is always great right so you're releasing it to the public you get 
Joe Schmo that you never met who drives down and picks it up and rates it. And, you know, it's got a good rating so far. So I think that's a really good sign for you. Um, now let's talk about the grand opening. Uh, we will, you know, we're going to try to get this episode out on the morning of the opening. When people show up, what is the tap list going to look like? What can they expect going forward? Yeah, so for the grand opening tomorrow, we're going to have five beers on tap. Um, I'm a I'm a hop head, as you could probably already tell, right? So three of the beers are going to be hoppy. We'll have two IPAs and one double IPA. And then we're also going to have a Czech-style dark lager and a coffee stout, which is a collaboration with the, the roastery down the street from the brewery. Cool. Nice. Very good. We are super excited for your opening, and we also want to talk about the landscape in the beer world right now. You see more and more brewery closures around the country and here in the state of New Jersey. There are a lot of restrictive brewery laws. What do you think the key to success will be for you and Bakes Brewing? Yeah, I mean, ultimately it comes down to the liquid in the glass, right? Um, and that's that's my primary focus, just brewing the best beer possible. And I think, I think if you hold your beer quality to as high of a standard as, as humanly possible, you're going to succeed. So I, I want to also um, get into this a little bit, uh, you know, before we let you go here. Um, besides beer, it's clear, like I'm, you know, as I kind of just digging in here, that there are two other things that mean a lot to you in your life, and uh, that's family and sports. Uh, do you plan on those other loves coming through in the brewery and, and what Bakes is going to be? Yeah, so my two, or I should say three passions in life are, you know, friends, beer, and baseball. Um, I come from a baseball background, highly competitive baseball background, um, and I'm a highly competitive person in general, so, and I think it, I think I can trace that back to, to my sports growing up. Um, so before the brewery was really getting close to opening back in 2020 during COVID, I formed a travel baseball team named the Bakes Brewers. Um, uh, Seven-year-old kids, and this is going to be our fifth season coming up, super successful team. Um, my son is kind of what I built it around. So my son Tyler loves baseball just like me. Um, and so this team has kind of evolved into this really awesome group of families and players and just the experience of, of being a part of it has kind of, you know, been a special thing for me these last few years. And you'll see in the tasting room, uh, sprinkled throughout the decor are all the boys' pictures and trophies that they've accumulated over the last five years. Oh, that's really cool. That's great. That's a great story, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, we wish you nothing but the best of luck on your opening that is happening very, very soon. Uh, Get some sleep, Jeff. You need to sleep too, man. <laughs> yeah, hopefully tonight. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, yeah, thanks again. Uh, coming up after the break, we'll talk to one of the lawmakers who has been working hard to make positive changes for New Jersey breweries. All of that after this.
and welcome back. Season 3, episode 30 of America the Brutiful. Our last episode of the year that is 2023. Uh, one of the biggest stories that we followed in 2023 was the efforts of New Jersey breweries to change the archaic laws of the state. This summer, New Jersey lawmakers, including State Senator Vin Gopal, who we spoke to earlier this year, pushed a unanimous bill through the state Senate to make some changes, including things like allowing events at breweries, allowing food trucks so brewery patrons can put some food in their system when they are drinking beer, and other regulatory restrictions. That unanimous bill went to the governor's office for approval, and, well, it sat there for a while. And that caused many New Jersey breweries to make beers calling out the governor to pass the bill. Uh, governor Murphy tried to leverage the bill to make changes in liquor license reform, which is something that a lot of people have been pretty passionate about as well. Last month, Governor Murphy uh, finally made a decision on that bill and vetoed that unanimous bill. Sounds terrible, of course, but there was a silver lining, and that was that the ABC would not enforce the restrictions until at least 2024, which is right around the corner. It is unclear if the state will further delay the enforcement of restrictions. And, of course, that uncertainty makes it hard for breweries in New Jersey to plan ahead for next year. Let's bring in State Senator Vin Gopal. Uh, Senator, thank you very much for joining us today. Good to be with you guys. All right, so we really appreciate your efforts to help breweries in New Jersey. I'm going to start with that. We so appreciate it. Thank you for everything that you and other lawmakers have done. I know you probably rarely hear that. Lawmakers probably rarely hear people actually being appreciative of what they're doing. Um, But simple question, uh, how frustrated are you that all the work that you and other lawmakers did on this bill that had, again, unanimous bipartisan support, that it didn't go through? Well, of course, frustrated, um, passing unanimously. Um, but, you know, I, I uh, will turn that frustration into very cautiously optimistic. We've had some really good, positive conversations with the with the uh, governor's office, and I'm hopeful that we're going to reach a deal uh, next week, and it's going to be done uh, pretty quickly. ABC just uh, announced uh, yesterday or the day before that they're extending their, um, you know, the, the, they're not enforcing the, the regulations through lame duck. Lame duck period is a period for when the legislative session ends. For us, that period ends on January 8th. So if the bills are not done by January 8th, it restarts over for a new two-year session on the 9th. So um, the fact the governor's office has extended to the 8th, and also the fact that we've had some really good conversations, we've taken uh, some of uh, what he has wanted in his liquor license reform as it relates to pocket licenses and transferring licenses and shopping malls and some of the things that he was uh, interested in and uh, we're going to give him that he's going to give us the breweries um, and I'm hopeful uh, we'll have some good news early next week uh, Senator do you know if the governor understands how frustrated the beer community is with, with him in this whole process um, I, I don't know uh, you know, I, I can't speak to that. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the point that we are what's happened in the last six months. We'll have to come back Monday morning quarterback and look at that, but we're very close to, to being in a good place. Um, and, and I'm hopeful uh, by by early New Year, we are, those restrictions will be lifted here in the state of New Jersey. This tr- tremendous news. Uh I'm so happy to hear, you know, the the optimism 
right? Um, now, since everything happened, you know, did breweries try to get in touch with you and say, hey, what happened? Um, you know, it, did, did you have any communications with them? Yeah, of course. Look, I always give a shout out to, to, to the breweries in my district, like the Source and, and uh, Ross Brewing over in Middletown, a lot of the other folks in Monmouth County that have uh, really been on the front lines. I think breweries got a, a, a front row seat into the educational process, the importance of building a relationship with their state senators and their state assembly people, seeing how a bill becomes a law. Uh, and that's going to serve them well beyond uh, as a small business owner and as a brewer. It's going to serve them well beyond what just happened here. They're going to have good news next week, uh, given any unforeseen circumstances. And, and hopefully the experience, while it was it sucked for six months, and uh, you know there was a little bit of, uh, as you mentioned in the early comments, that ABC is not enforcing regulations. But hopefully this will come away where they've built some really good relationships and they can build upon this. Now, you know, you know, me and Tom, we're beer nerds, and traditionally, when we go to breweries in New Jersey, traditionally, all you'd see was beer nerds. But now, yeah. you know, you made an important case that events at breweries help attract more visitors, and I recently went to a trivia night in Autodidact up in northern Jersey, up in Morris Plains, for, and pretty much every table was filled, and most of those people were not – the beer nerds, there would be what we affectionately call like normies, like normal people that are, you know, don't have brewery shirts and kind of know the difference between different beer styles uh, were, were at the brewery. Uh, you know, how important was that aspect of the bill when you were uh, putting it together? Well, look, I'm one of those people. I'm the person that goes up to each brewery I go to and I say, hey, what uh, can you give me something similar to a blue moon or give me something similar to and I'm try tasting different things. So I'm in that audience of people that uh, have no idea what I'm ordering when I get there. Um, <laughs> so completely. One other piece, by the way, that I think we're going to get that hasn't really been too public, and I think it's going to start being public the next 48 hours, is part of this deal that we're going to reach is uh, going to be a very unique beer farm license, very similar to the wine farm license. So if you have farms in the state, and I've already spoken to a number of them, who are able to grow hops and able to grow products, uh, that they will be able to have a, 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 that brewery experience on their farm if they can make the products. No different than if you're going to a winery. So I think we're going to have some so – I think this is going to be really positive coming out of this. There will be some new experiences uh, all across the board, and, and, the, and the farm brewery experience is going to be great because it's going to allow breweries to purchase from farms here in New Jersey. Um, and wineries have always had this – uh, been available to them and, and breweries haven't. So I think this is going to be another cool thing that we're going to see very soon. Uh, just a quick comment on that. That is tremendous news. Uh, there was a uh, brewery that I used to visit all the time in New Jersey that left the state, and I understand why they left the state. And they left the state because specifically what you're talking about. So that that's tremendous news. I didn't know that. I have a farm in my district in Cold Snack that is excited. Uh, they do Christmas trees. They do a lot of other things, but they make hops and products on their farm uh, right in Cold Snack, and they're excited to try to create that experience, not just to, to sell to local breweries, but also to you know allow a family to enjoy a beer and, and walk, to, walk the farm, uh, which is what they can do right now in any of the wineries in the state. That's great. Uh, Senator Gopal, at the beginning of this week's episode, we noted that almost as many breweries in this country closed in the first half of 2023 than in all of 2023, and New Jersey was not spared. I'm sorry, and then in all of 2022. Jug Handel, Kelly Green, Tuckahoe, and Lunacy all closed this year. Lunacy specifically mentioned the pandemic and state brewery restrictions as part of the reason. 
I am a small business owner myself, so this is something I am passionate about. What would be your message to Governor Murphy? That, you know, while we've had disagreements, and Governor knows that disagreed in doing liquor policy in a, in a CV, and these are things that we should have discussed and negotiated, uh, uh, he, I appreciate that he has wanted to get far-reaching liquor license goal reforms. I think they're laudable. I think New Jersey's liquor license laws are archaic. Uh, where I've disagreed is to tie them into the brewery regulations because I think they're two, two completely different topics. Uh, that said, I've been really appreciative of the governor's uh, collaborative, collaborative partnership over these last several weeks. And I, I, I'm, you know, look, we're, we're all in a good place right now. We've had really good conversations with his office and, and the Senate majority office. So um, let's hope we have a, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that the, when the governor signs the bill uh, uh, next week after it's sent to him, that he considers a, a Monmouth County brewery to sign the bill out. That's what I'm hopeful for. Big, big news. Big, well, opti- optimism, right? Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Love hearing you know, all this optimism. I'm really looking forward to 2024 now where I had some kind of trepidation, uh, you know? We will know on Tuesday whether it's happening or not. Amazing. I mean, that's as good of a tease as as anything, right? I don't know if you can hear it, Senator, but Dan is like jumping out of his seat right now. So (laughs) so thank you very much for for leaving that with us as the year closes. Absolutely. Good to see you guys. Happy New Year. See you soon. Same to you. We'll be back with local releases right after this. So this is the new year. I don't feel any different. The clanking of crystal. Welcome back. Season 3, episode 30 of America the Beautiful. Here we are, local releases. Let's get right into it. We're going to start with other half this week, not only because they are continuing with their 10th anniversary releases, but also because they have some really big news. Another other half location opening, this time in Chicago. Yeah, uh, very unexpected. So other half Chicago location will be in the redeveloped Ramova Theater, which will also house a concert venue and a diner. The other half location there will have 20 tap lines and they will have beers made on site, some special to the concert venue. So if you are counting, and we hope we get this right, (laughs) there's other half Center Street, other half Domino, other half 30 Rock, Finger Lakes, Philly, D.C., Buffalo, and now Chicago. Yes. Dude. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a very strong brand. Yes. That they're able to do that and continue to be successful. Yes. Uh, so let's let's talk about some of their two of their new ones, right? Uh, fourth anniversary IPA, ten percent triple imperial IPA. This is they're they're redoing kind of all the you know anniversary As ones. They, do. Uh, they got the same art. I know you said that you saw second anniversary in a store too. I saw second anniversary in a in a store. Uh, not even it was like in a carton uh, in a box basically. Wow. So I don't I don't know. 
so yeah, the fourth anniversary IPA, a 10% triple, and then also Fry's Pale Ale, 5.5% collab with Monkish Brewing. The new version is hopped with Nectaron and Rowaka. Let's uh, let's talk about Tin Barn because they have a big collab this week with none other than other half, another half, and it's Broccoli Queen. It is a triple New England IPA brewed with oats and wheat and dry hopped with Citra, Simcoe, and Nectaron. Probably gonna kick ass. I'm sure it will. Sprocket double New England IPA with Citra, Nelson, New Zealand Experimental NZ105. They also did two collabs with Tripping Animals. We'll start with the one with the cooler name in my in my mind. It's uh, Gummy Sno- Gummy Saurus Snacks. Uh, it is a fruited sour with cherry, orange, raspberry, and pineapple, and finishing touch of marshmallow. And tripping through the galaxy. Uh, this is a triple New England IPA, triple dry hop with Citra, Waiti, and Galaxy. And also, if you don't have New Year's Eve plans, they are doing a keg drop on New Year's Eve at 9 p.m. Uh, there will be live music and a special beer cocktail menu. I know a few other places are doing um, kind of New Year's things. Drownlands is another one that's doing something. Um, but that's cool. You know, like if you don't have plans on New Year's, I feel like nobody is doing I don't know. Like, I, I don't know too many people are doing huge, big, like, New Year's bashes anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess that's still maybe, maybe you're just coming out of the pandemic in that sense. Sure. You know. Have you been, have you done a brewery New Year's Eve? Never have. Never have. Always, I, I think the main problem is that most of them close before midnight. So it would have to be like a special ticketed event, I would think, for some of these to stay open past midnight. Ah, uh, yeah. And then I would have to get an Uber and all, you know. Yeah, you can't give your ticket away out at like 10 yeah, o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird. So, yeah. I hear you. Uh, Equilibrium. Starlight collab with Trillium, 8% double IPA, dry hopped with 100% Citra Lupamax Whirlpool, Citra T90, Citra Lupamax, Mosaic, and Galaxy. They also brought back Straight Out of Middletown, which is a triple IPA with Citra and Mosaic. And. And we've talked about this before. If you have Tavor, you will notice that there is triple stacked coconut cake up for pre-order. Dan, I know that you've said that you've seen the beers on Tavor before they actually announce them at the brewery. This is no exemption. Um, looks delicious. I really, uh, I don't want to, Equilibrium makes great stouts. There's just, you see so many of them sometimes just saying whatever, you know. This one, I was like, ooh. That looks good. <laughs> sure. Uh, speaking of stouts, uh, Esker Hart, Bourbon Barrel Age Breakfast with Squatch. It's a 13.5% imperial stout aged in single Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels for 19 months before being conditioned on a blend of Tahitian and Madagascar vanilla beans, coffee, cocoa nibs, maple syrup, and cinnamon. This was one of those 12% releases. Uh, I did get it. It's, I'm waiting for it to arrive any day now. Very nice. Yes. Uh, Autodidact, late bloomers, Cezanne collab with Decora Brewing, available in 500 milliliter bottles. They took the base beer and bottle condition it on Funk Weapon Number no. 3 from Bootleg Biology. I want to try this really bad. Oh, I've had, had the original version, but not the... This one that's a little different, so uh, really excited about that one. Uh, let's uh, go up to District 96. They've got a bunch of new beers, uh, some of them that kind of are New Year's themed. So we'll start with 
three, two, one. It's a 8.5% double IPA with Motueka and Citra. Man Meets Machine, 11% triple IPA with Nelson Mosaic and Zappa. Champagne Toast, 6.5% dry and light IPA. And Coconut Collusion, 12% Imperial Stout with fresh coconut and chocolate available in bottles. Hmm. Uh, They also did Educated Guess, an 8.5% double IPA. Ober Creek, Quartet 147, IPA aggressively dry hopped with Ruwaka, Rakao, Citra, and Mosaic. Quartet 146 is sitting at a big ol' 4.54 on Untapped. Yeah, so 147 may be just as good. Yeah, they're great IPAs. They yes, really are. They do, and they also made uh, a beer with Marlowe called Faint Satellite. It's a 5.5 percent ABV IPA, dry hop with Citra, Nectaron, and Pink. Root and Branch, Prima Materia, multi-oat wheat American pale ale brewed and heavily dry hopped with a unique blend of American hops. And do we live in a society of spectacle citra? Multi-oat wheat, double IPA, brewed and dry hopped entirely with citra hops. The Seed, as simple as community, 4.8% lager hopped with Saz and Cascade. Each four-pack comes with mixed label art highlighting local artists from Atlantic City. Love that. Yeah, Love how cool. you, cool. you, know, you integrate, integrate the community. Uh, they also did Lights Please 13. This one sounds really cool. An IPA dry hop with Citra and Motueka, and then conditioned on vanilla, local spruce tips, and orange zest and juice from Yuzu Lemons. Years and years after, it's an ESB collab with Bond Place. They also did Tangerines and String Quartets, a hoppy mixed culture beer that comes in mixed four packs consisting of Hollertel Blanc and Tradition dry hop versions. Cane, Holy Nights, 10.3% Imperial Stout condition on freshly toasted coconut, cocoa nibs, Madagascar vanilla beans, and dark roast coffee. And tomorrow is already here, 2023. It's a 14.1% bourbon barrel-aged Imperial Stout with maple syrup. Troon, Rancorous Dispute. 8% 8% hoppy ale. And nice change of pace. 8.8% hoppy ale fermented with a blend of yeasts. Timber ales blended with lumber number two. Imperial stout, which uh, is aged for 20 to t- 22 to 26 months in Weller 12-year, Elijah Craig 12-year, and Willet bourbon barrels. Blended with fresh imperial stout before being conditioned on toasted coconut. And Chasing Darkness, a collab with Joey Pepper. It's an imperial stout conditioned on a blend of Mexican, Ugandan, and Madagascar vanilla beans and, and cocoa nibs. Daydreams at Dusk, single hop IPA with Galaxy. An alternate ending did a single hop IPA. It's called Inconceivable, and it's a single hop IPA with Strata. Oak Flower. Round Fruits, 8.2%, hazy double IPA, dry hopped with Citra Mosaic and HBC 586. Uh, Evil Twin did a few interesting beers. Of course, all their beers are super interesting. But uh, Barrel-Aged Fruited Sour, Volume 2. This one is aged in Bliss Maple Bourbon Barrels for 22 months and conditioned with Blueberry, Raspberry, Concord Grape, and Strawberry. Sour Pepper Cherry Vanilla Float. That sounds interesting. All right, let's talk about this other one here. This one is a beer that did not get released uh, at Evil Twin, but I thought we needed to talk about it. It's called What Even Is a Pina Colada? It's a collab with Green Cheek. 
Do you, have you seen this, Tom? I'm reading it right now. All right. It sounds tell, delicious. Tell us about it. All right. I want this. <laughs> a pina colada and a pina colada style rum barrel aged hard seltzer. Here's where it gets really interesting. With coconut cream, toasted coconut, pineapple, and lime on nitro. Wait for it. It's a 14%. <laughs> That's insane. I don't even know what to think of that. I really don't even know like what that could be like in my mouth. <laughs> it's uh, it's something I want to try too. It's It sounds really cool. It's it's crazy. Is it not on tap at... Uh, uh, I don't think so. Oh, it's a green cheek. Really yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it will come here to uh, New York because I would like to try it. Uh, let's talk Icarus real quick. Uh, Treats of Strength, a 12.4% imperial chocolate hazelnut babka-inspired dessert stout. Mm. Frozen Wings, 6.9% American-style cold IPA, hopped with mosaic and mosaic incognito, then fermented with house lager yeast. It was then dry hopped with Lapulin mosaic, Rewaka, and Nelson Sauvine. Also, they did totality, 6.6%, and it's hopped with cashmere and citra, dry hop with lupulin, cashmere, eclipse, and spectrum eclipse. Magnify, solid gold, good times. It's an 8.5% double dry hopped imperial IPA hopped with citra and double dry hopped with Nelson Sauvine. They also did triple dry hopped up, up, and away, a collab with Sand City. It is an 8.5% Imperial IPA hop with Citra and Huel Melon, and triple dry hop with Galaxy, Citra, and Simcoe Cryo. Double dry hopped main event, 6.5% IPA with a double dose of Citra and Simcoe hops in the dry hop. Uh, let's talk Ghost Hawk. So I was there, I guess it was last week, uh, and they had a little thing celebrating, you know, celebrating the holidays and, and everything. And they had an English mile there that I was able to try, and it kicked ass. It's called Mild Thing. I love the English yeah. milds. I don't know. Yeah, it's they've like, been growing on you. They huh? have, they have, they have. That's good. And also Vera. It's Hellas Lager. Let's talk Brick City. Uh, they have two new releases. One is called Fluff Your Head. It's an 8% ABV New England style double IPA, double dry hop with Citra, Strata, and Galaxy. Is this Citra? 5.25% ABV New England style pale ale dry hopped with Citra and Citra Cryo. All right, Wild Air. This one I, I want to try as well. This is another like kind of cool sounding beer poetic license pineapple habanero sour tart kettle sour base conditioned on pineapples and a touch of habanero and faustian bargain 100 percent pretenomyces fermented ipa noble savage you know uh they've been hitting top beer drops a lot uh this one is called supersonic scoops it's a double ipa 8.7 percent dry hop with citra and peacherine and Storter, 6.7% ABV. They call it somewhere between a stout and a porter, like that name. <laughs> uh, Heavy Reel did a, a beer. Now, it, this unfortunately is draft only, but it's something that caught my attention. I want to try it. It's called Big Dill. It's a sour ale brewed with a lot of pickles, is what they say. Interesting. And Muckraker released a 12-bottle box with lots of goodies. We look forward to Alias Brewworks opening later this winter. Um, also, pie in the face. If you ever uh, want to yes. bring that back, you know, we're here. We're waiting. A lot of people would be very interested, yes. All right. All right. We uh, will be back 
in a moment. We'll talk to Chase from Top Beer Drops, Top Beers of the Week. That's coming up right after this. Try to be best, cause you're only a man, and a man's got to learn to take it. Try to believe, though the going gets rough, that you gotta hang tough to make it. History repeats itself, try and you succeed. Never doubt that you're the one, and you can have your dream. You're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. You're the best around. And nothing's gonna Welcome back. Season three, episode 30 of America the Brutiful, our final episode of the year. And here we are, national releases with Chase from Top Ear Drops. Chase, thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure, guys. And happy holidays. Happy holidays to you guys, too. Thank you. So 1216 to 1222, 510 new beers were released from the top 433 breweries around the year around the US. Here are the top 10 according to Untapped. All right, let's uh, let's start with number 1. Tell us about uh, the number 1 drop from last week. Yeah, so this is a, a new brewery to the list. Um, uh, this is a brewery called Ogma. Uh, they are out of uh, Jackson uh, Michigan, which I couldn't even point that out on a map, but, uh, they had a, an Imperial stout called nightmare fuel, um, that was clocking in at a 4.79 Imperial stout. looks like it's aged in heaven Hill barrels. So looks really solid. I've, I've had a few people reach out to me, um, and say it holds up. Uh, and so, yeah, they're relatively new to me though. Have you guys ever tried Ogma at all? I haven't. Never but, heard of them. But I saw the, the label looks pretty badass for whatever that's worth. It does. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, their branding is on point for sure. Uh, number two drop. This is a local to New Jersey, New York, and that's Noble Savage. Supersonic Scoops, 8.7%, double IPA, and that's 4.72. Not really surprised there. Those guys have been making the list rather frequently recently, have they not? They definitely have, yeah. They, they're making waves for sure. All right, number three, if you uh, watch a lot of TV, you might think that Peroni's disease is a bad thing, and maybe it is. But number three brewery uh, is from Crooked Pecker. Tell us about this, because I've never had anything. i, I, I got to figure out how to word this so it doesn't become like uh, used against me at some point. Tell us about Crooked Pecker. Yeah, sure. So they're out of Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Um, they made the list with uh, three darts is too much batch number 13. So they've been, they've been cranking this one out. I feel like anytime they produce this, there's a good chance it makes the list. I haven't had this beer specifically, but um, I have had some stuff from Crooked Pecker and it, it, it's great. Yeah. They, uh, um, and they always have kind of some fun names. I, I have no idea how they got away with naming their brewery Crooked Pecker. I actually, I interviewed them a couple of years ago and asked them about that, and they were pretty cheeky about it. I mean, they kind of said, like, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a bird. It's, it's mm-hmm. totally fine. So. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, number three drop, Pulpit Rock Brewing. Chase, can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher the name here, but uh, they made it with a barley wine. Uh Ali Semen, I'm guessing, is uh, the name there. And uh, yeah, Pulpit Rock, if you guys don't know, is out of Decorah, Iowa. They're no stranger to the list. We, we, we see them all the time. So, 
And I know that's one Tom probably wants to get his hands on. I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, Pulpit Rock makes some really good dark beers. Um, so, yeah. So, those two were tied for number three. So, we'll go to number five next. This is a brewery Tom knows pretty well. I do. The Treehouse Brewing. Chase, can you tell us about that? Certainly, yeah. Uh, Vanilla Bean Truth is an imperial stout that they made last week. It's got a, or it had a 4.67 um, as of... Uh, whatever Sunday when I've created the list, it looks awesome. I think this, there was a couple variants of this, uh, this truth beer, but the vanilla bean one was clocking in the best at, at the uh, point in time that the list was made. And I'm sure these, I, you know, we'll, we'll go through the rest of the list. Probably the one, maybe the one with the most check-ins on the list. Uh, I don't know. We can, we can talk about that number after, but obviously Treehouse pumps out a lot of stuff gets a lot of beer nerd ratings so usually the ratings are pretty on point as to how good the beer is uh number six is a brewery that uh has made the list several times but not for necessarily the style that uh this beer is so tell us about number six yeah sure so drecker uh out of fargo north dakota you're right they usually when they make the list it's usually some sort of crazy fruited sour but uh this time they're, they're making it with a Russian Imperial Stout called the Nightman Cometh. Um, and, yeah, I don't know too much about this stout. There's a, a variant of it as well, uh, but it looks like the, the original is what's hitting the list this week. So, And number seven drop, is this, I don't know, is this another first-time brewery that is, that's on the list? Or they have, have they no, been they, on here? They've, they've been on here quite a bit. Oh, and I, have? Oh. I actually had a few of their beers last, uh, I guess, two weeks ago. And I think they're one of the. I think we're going to see a lot of them. Oh, really? Next year, yeah. And that's yeah. everywhere. Uh, so tell us about what uh, made the list from everywhere. Yeah, everywhere uh, made it with a beer called "It's in the Air." Uh, it looks like it's a hot cocoa in- inspired imperial stout. You can kind of see that from the uh, the picture itself. But uh, yeah, made with cocoa powder, Ecuadorian uh, cacao nibs, milk sugar, marshmallows, etc. So uh, yeah, they. I, to your point, Dan, like they are no strangers to the list this year. I think we'll we'll probably be talking about them a little bit later in the episode as well. Number eight drop is from North Park Beer Company, and uh, that is double bourbon barrel aged wild Thai banana macaroons before dying. That is a mouthful. Fifteen point five two percent ABV Imperial Pastry Stout with a four point six three and on tap. I would assume at this point that a lot of people listening may have had some some sort of variant of the Before Dying series. Yeah. There's been so many, and so many are so good. Yeah, there, it's uh, so it's funny because I think North Park kind of made their you know, uh, mark on the craft beer scene with beers like this, with their dark beers, and then they've just been kicking ass with IPAs, so I feel like they make less dark beers now than they did because their IPAs are so good and they sell so many of them, uh, but anytime there's any of these macaroon beers i'm always any of the before dying series i'm always very interested yeah big time there that, that before dying series is i don't think i've had anything from the before dying series that i've been disappointed with it's always really good number nine is from the answer in virginia chase can you tell us about that certainly uh it's a quad ipa called 1000 and you you the question earlier dan like the most check-ins um 
at the time that I made this list, this one actually had the most check-ins oh. at 102. Um, wow. And still, yeah, sitting at a 4.61. So I think that should that should say something about the uh, the quality there. But uh, yeah, it's, I, uh, I think the name kind of speaks for itself. It's to celebrate their thousandth beer brewed at the answer. So, um, but yeah, what was the ABV on this one? It was huge, 13% quad IPA. I'm sure... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that will hold up for a little while. I got to tell you, this is intriguing to me because, and we've talked about it before on here. I'm not a big fan of the of the big like quads. They always, to me, end up being more malty than anything, even if they're a quote unquote good beer. But this is a that's a big rating. I mean, four over a four point six. I'd I'd be very curious to try this beer. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. And congratulations to the answer on. Their thousandth beer as well. That's uh, one of my favorite breweries to go to. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, and then there was a tie. So they are. Uh, there's a tie for number nine. And this is another brewery that's been popping up a lot this year. Uh, so tell us about uh, the other beer that's tied with the answer for this week. Yeah, certainly. So uh, Gnosis Brewing um, brewed an imperial stout called uh, Bourbon Barrel Aged Nocti. I'm guessing is how you would say that. Um, and yeah, uh, Gnosis, for folks who don't know, are out of Merrillville, Indiana. Uh, again, probably couldn't point it out on a map, but uh, yeah, it looks like it's uh, their Nocti series uh, rested in a 14-year OESF bourbon barrel for 13 months, so sounds, sounds really good. All right, so that was a great list, always a great time. Now, since we are wrapping up, 2023 and heading into 2024 let's talk about the year that was i know you are still calculating the numbers but last year troon was the number one brewery on top beer drops what are the chances that they maintain their crown mm, yeah you know it's, it's going to be complicated because i i don't think that troon made the list as frequently as they did in 2022 um, there, there's a brewery I'm struggling right now because the brewery that, uh, is, has made the list the most in the top five, um, is actually side project. So side project, I think is going I've to heard either of them. win. Have you heard of them? <laughs> I yeah, have heard of them. Yeah. They're, they're new to the scene, right? Um, side project will probably either win brewery of the year or beer of the year. Um, and I, I, I don't know what I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to crunch some numbers and see what makes the most sense. Uh, statistically, but um, Troon is going to get crowned with something. I don't know if it's going to be Brewery of the Year. Interesting. So you mentioned Beer of the Year, so well, let's let's talk about that. You said they'll probably get Beer of the Year. They put out some really big stuff. I would think of the top five beers of the year, they probably have three of them. That's yeah, just that's that, just a, oh, a guess. That That is a great guess. I, I, I'll uh, they, uh, if you look at the top six, they have three of them. Gotcha. Um, wow. But they have, they have number one and number two. If you guys want to guess what they are, I will happily, uh, tip my cards there. Okay. I'll take a huge stab. I'll say that they're 10 year barley wine. Uh, so that one's the number six one. According oh, okay. to my so rating. I would, so I would assume number one fun. is OWK. Well done. Yeah, that's it. And then MJK, the uh, the second release of MJK, maybe? No, I think I may have missed MJK based off of some, I, I don't know if it had enough ratings or um, what, but uh, it's that uh, Van Winkle BBT is, oh. is the number two. So. Wow. And that was available to anybody who could 
uh, check out of their website in 0.5 seconds. Right, right. I was lucky enough to get my hands on a bottle, and I think of the top 10 beers, that's probably the only one that I've, I've tried personally. Chase, what were the breweries that had the biggest jumps from last year to this year? Yeah, good question. I, I think, you know, this is going to be kind of a, a no-brainer one, but since Treehouse, I don't know if it, I, I think it was relatively new for this year. Treehouse put together that Treehouse release page. Um, they were effectively non-existent on the list. Like, it was very rare that we would profile a Treehouse beer, but now that they have that Treehouse's uh, release page, they are making the list um, all over the place. We talked about everywhere i think that they opened their doors late in 2022 if memory serves me i I could be uh i could be missing in that there but everywhere is is now on the list all uh pretty frequently it's hard because i have like collaborator uh collaborations are kind of falling into different categories so i'm only looking at beer that is making the list like on their own so once i pull in collaborations and things like that this this list could change but um yeah, I would say everywhere uh, is making jumps. Noble Savage, we talked about earlier, they they are starting to hit the list um, much more than twenty than they were in twenty twenty two. If they were even hitting it in twenty twenty two, so those those are a few I've got my eye on. All right, so the year technically isn't over. What do you have your eyes on for the week, and then you know this last week of the year? What do you have yeah. your eyes on that uh, may make the list? Good question. Uh, let, me, let me pull up a few here. Um, I, it looks like I only have my eyes on one or two. Um, yeah, Lost Art Brewhouse out of Michigan put out uh, a few stouts that are kind of holiday-themed uh, called Roaring Twenties. Um, they may make the list. I'm going to have to read uh, through all the release details here. But that might be that might be it. I don't know if it's going to be a, a quieter week because of the holidays, but um, that's the only one I've got eyes on currently. Anything that's popping out to you guys that I should uh, maybe make sure I keep my eyes on? No, that's why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to be an expert here. I've, candidly, I've been trying to crunch numbers for uh, the dropy that will be, you know, crowning all the uh, all the champions in the next couple of weeks here. So. Uh, yeah, I haven't been paying attention to current week um, nearly as much as I should. All right, last question here, Chase. A great majority of our listeners are on the East Coast. What breweries in the rest of the country do you think people should be trading for? Yeah, big time. If you're if you're on the East Coast, I would be uh, keeping my eye on West Coast stuff. But I don't really have any surprises here. You know, everywhere is definitely uh, top of mind. I, I would say. I, I, again, no surprises here. Three Sons, I would also keep an eye out for, you know, I don't know if you guys have tried much of the Bearded Brewer stuff, but they've made the list a few times, and I want to say most of the most of the times that they've made it, they're top five um, with their, it, they're all over the board. They've got pastry stouts that have made the list. They have fruited Berliner Weisses that have made the list. They've had a, a, sing, a excuse me, a, Triple New England IPA that's made the list. Have you guys tried much Bearded Brewer? No. So I okay. had uh, one, and I'm trying to remember who the main brewery was, but uh, main meaning the brewery that released the beer, not in the state of Maine. Uh, <laughs> right. um, 
but I did have one beer that was a collab with them, but I have never had anything released from Bearded Brewer. So definitely interested in that. I have been kind of uh, keeping my eyes open to see if it pops up anywhere in the dark corners of Facebook uh, beer groups. <laughs> For sure, for sure, yeah. I think since they are, uh, they're located in Omaha. I, I, I don't know what the the beer scene looks like outside of uh, their spot and Lumen and things like that. So I, I'm sure the the traders are few and far between. Chase, thank you so much for joining us, and to everyone listening, thanks so much for all of the support this year. And until next year, America, drink up and stay beautiful. Should all the greatest people got it never brought to mind?